0: somebody living in rural Arkansas should expect the same service and same type of credential people that would pull up in a a neighboring city. You should know the basics of command, building construction, fire attack, ventilation, truck and engine work, all that, you know, whether you're in Arkansas or, or New York City.
1: Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. What qualifies someone to be a battalion chief? Well, if they're in a career department, it's pretty clear. They need a specific amount of experience. They have to pass a written test and probably an oral board of some kind. But what about volunteers? Now that's a whole nother deal. The volunteer B.C. may simply have more time and grade before being allowed to promote. This may be a person who simply shows up for more required training days and more responses than other people. But does that qualify someone to run a fire ground? Is it time to start testing candidates for battalion chief and higher ranks? Back again on Code 3 to discuss that with me is Ed Dolan. He's been a member of the Catskill Fire Department in New York for 30 years, and he served 16 years as a chief officer. And Ed Dolan joins me now. Welcome back to Code 3.
0: Thanks for having me back, Scott.
1: You wrote a couple of articles on this topic for the Leatherhead Mafia website. How was the feedback?
0: Wow, it was... Uh... It was, it was all over the board. I mean, people get really emotional about this topic in the volunteer fire service, whether chiefs should be tested or popular election or some other kind of method of choosing their leaders.
1: What did most of the people say to you?
0: Well, it was close, but most people feel like some sort of required training and time in the department should qualify them to run for a chief spot. Coming in a close second, a lot of people are starting to go towards agreeing with my personal opinion that chiefs should be tested. I and mean, then we still have quite a bit of people looking to do the popular vote. And when I looked up the responses to the departments they belong to, a lot of them were very rural departments, which, you know, I can understand why they feel that way.
1: Well, there's obviously a wide variety of ways that volunteer departments choose officers Some agencies are obviously also more selective than others. Give me an idea of what that range of ways encompasses.
0: Right now, I think most of the departments in the United States go with either requirements as far as state schooling and time in the department or the popular vote. This idea of testing volunteer chiefs, I had nobody say that their department actually does it, although I believe that's the way we should move. Most departments are very comfortable with what they're doing now. I happen to be fortunate enough to visit Bladensburg, Maryland, and Prince George's County, and in the article I laid out what they require. They require X amount of schools versus time in the department, age requirement, and then they allow you to run for the office. There's actually no testing, but PG County has hundreds and hundreds of fires a year that these guys run to. So, you know, the volunteer there has just as much fire duty as, as most metropolitan cities like D.C. or FDNY.
1: And ones that are not that stringent, um, from, from what I understand, may simply choose somebody who's been there for a longer period of time. Correct. And
0: they gave me the most passionate responses due to a variety of reasons, small population small department overall with not much money, requirements that their department wouldn't be able to meet and wouldn't have anybody eligible to run for chief spot if they had some sort of requirements or testing. And they were very passionate, and they were generally smaller rural departments. Really, a lot of them were in the southeast and southwest, a lot of those departments that answered.
1: You know, I get that sentiment, but at the same time, it just seems strange that if you're going to the say there aren't enough good people that you're going to accept someone of lesser quality because, I mean, the, on the fire ground, the team's lives can be in their hands.
0: Absolutely. The, the, today's fire ground, the last 25 to 30 years, has changed drastically. We're all well aware of the testing that's been done on how fire develops and grows rapidly compared to 25, 30 years ago, that allows for more rapid extension. You know, chiefs in the street 30 or 40 years ago, you know, we weren't going inside as much with air packs and getting as deep as we do today. So what what worked forty years ago doesn't work today in my opinion. I mean those departments I feel they're shortchanging themselves. They're they're not putting the public's interest at mind when they allow people that aren't really qualified to hold those positions you know somebody living in rural arkansas should expect the same service and same type of credential people that would pull up in a a neighboring city do you have to have the same amount of experience as far as fire duty no that's not going to happen but you should know the basics of command building construction fire attack ventilation truck and engine work all that you know whether you're in arkansas or or New York City. We have to do the same basic things at every fire, no matter where you are in the United States, in order to have a safe conclusion.
1: Right, and you know, any volunteer department that I've ever known of wants to think of themselves as being as professional as a career department, which makes it tough to understand why they wouldn't want to find a battalion chief that meets standards.
0: Yes, I agree. I think a lot of it has to do with the volunteers. You know, some guys, they just keep holding the position year after year after year, and they don't want to give up the the power, so to speak. And then you got cliques that want to control things, and they don't want to give up the power. But the bottom line is is we're there for the public. We have to put the best people forward to lead us, and we need to do what's right by the public and best for the department overall, not for any one person or any one group of guys. We all strive to be better than we are. That that should be the goal. You know, I know in my area, you know, being close proximity to New York City, you know, we take a lot of lessons learned from them. You know, we'll never be FDNY, but we train and strive and push ourselves to be as close to those departments that are very efficient as we can be.
1: Now, here's something that occurred to me. It seems like testing would favor people who might be career guys that are also a volunteer is that a fear among volunteers that that if they don't work in paid departments they might not be able to make officer
0: that that could be an underlying issue i know in this area we have quite a few guys that are on a job in uh, some cities and one guy in particular i'm thinking of he should be a chief and he's not because he's the he's the paid guy and and they fear, I believe they fear his knowledge. And again, that, that goes back to being selfish and not making decisions based on what's best for the public. Those guys, yeah, they have a little bit more advantage obviously because they have more fire duty and their job is to train and learn and keep pushing themselves where a volunteer has to make that time in his life, you know, to make up the uh, time to train and stuff like that. So yeah, there, there's a slight disadvantage for the volunteers, but, you know, if you're passionate enough, you'll find time to do it.
1: I've done a bunch of shows about volunteers, but I think we've kind of shied away from the idea that there is a clique mentality sometimes in some of these departments. But I think in this case it could be dangerous because if you're saying that the most experienced guy could be a chief officer and he's not because of it, that's just that's just asking for trouble, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, there's departments where that's still very, very prevalent. And I believe those are departments that, you know, you get, you get stale when the same people are running things over and over and they're not truly the best person for the job. You lose membership, you lose training opportunities. There's nothing wrong with voting in new blood or testing people and and having new blood come in with fresh ideas to push the envelope, especially with training. I mean, training is everything. And if you don't have chief officers that can deliver good, solid training, take the department in the right direction for the right reasons, you know, ultimately you're on a, you're on a path to failure.
1: Now, what experience have you had in finding departments where chief officers have been, let's say, less than stellar in their qualifications? Have you seen any of those?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been to mutual aid fires where you pull up. And, you know, right away, you can spot three or four critical things that should be already in place that are not being done. And, you know, you subtly try to make suggestions and ideas, you know, um, to not ruffle feathers. But we also have to protect our own members when we go to these places to make sure they're not put in danger by decisions that are made by people with no experience or just ignorant people in general and not wanting to take, you know, advice from fellow chiefs.
1: And this is another concept that we've not addressed much on this show. When you do pull up to a scene like that where you're not the IC, what do you do to make sure that your people aren't put into an untenable situation by somebody who maybe doesn't have the level of experience necessary?
0: Well, when it comes down to it, you're going to have to say to the IC, if something's definitely not safe or you don't believe it's safe, that, hey, we can't put my people in there. And jeopardize them, you know. And this is the reason why. You know, I've been to a fire where a uh, building collapsed and people were in a collapse zone that never should have been there. And they were, the, the the department that was in charge was warned 15 or 20 minutes earlier about a two and a half story building that was burning, the length of time it was burning, and some of the deficiencies in the construction that we shouldn't have people there. And our people weren't in the area when the building collapsed, and we were we were very lucky. But uh, there were some other members working in the collapse zone that lucked out and and were not hurt. But that's just an example where the officer in charge failed to take advice, failed to recognize, you know, the changing environment with the building as far as the deterioration, the amount of time the the building was on fire, and the fact that the building had been abandoned for many years.
1: So, bottom line, do you believe that eventually testing is going to become mandatory for these folks?
0: I think it will eventually. I think it has to. And I think these departments that answered where they still do the popular vote, that, you know, maybe they need to get together and they have, you know, their jurisdictions have one chief for a jurisdiction that makes sure the training is, is going the right way and all the requirements are met for hose testing and things of that nature. And then, you know, they each company has an assistant, but one chief oversees three or four of these little places, or maybe the county or the town hires a chief to run the department to make sure they have somebody that can really handle IC, mentoring, and all the other things that volunteer chiefs have to juggle.
1: All right, Ed Dolan, always good to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Thank you, Scott.
1: And we put some more information about the pros and cons of testing candidates for chief officers of volunteer departments on our website at code3podcast.com slash officer test. All one word, officer test. Check it out. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. This time we talked about whether it's become necessary for volunteer fire departments to start testing people who want to promote to battalion chief. What do you think? Is it feasible or is it unnecessary? I'd like to hear from you on this. Just email me scott at code3podcast.com or leave a voicemail at 562-337-9902. I'll read your comments and play them back on a future show. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.